It's Sunday morning, and I'm trying to impart to you a lot of the information that I've got about the Christ Mass. Christmas is Christ Mass. The Mass in Roman Catholicism is eating human flesh. It's called cannibalism. It has to do with what Adolf Hitler brought into Nazism. He brought the fire and tree worship. I've got a book here I've shown you before, and it's called The Twisted Cross. It's about the swastika. The swastika is actually the Big Dipper in four phases. I put it on the board. He, this shows you the various figures of the swastika. The swastika was originally a uh, originally a good luck symbol. In the mid twenties, the swastika was the Boy Scout symbol in America before Hitler got a hold of it. This was the Boy Scout symbol. It was the swastika with with what's called a fleur-de-lis in the middle of it. Fleur, F-L-E-U-R-D-E-L-I-S. That's a French word. It means flower of the lily. That was a term for the maria of Roman Catholicism. You can get that out of this book and many other books. The fleur-de-lis was like, I can't ever remember how to draw it. You see this on the helmets of the New Orleans Saints. That's a fleur-de-lis on their helmets. That's a Roman Catholic symbol. Why, is it a, why do they have it on their helmets? They represent a Roman Catholic city, New Orleans. The people that moved there from... Uh, from Canada were French people and the French were Roman Catholic and they have the various uh, kinds of French people there. You've got all the entire state of Louisiana doesn't have counties. They have what they call parishes. A parish is a place where you worship in in Catholicism. If you go to the local parish, you go to the local Catholic church. So when you're watching a movie about Louisiana, they'll say, well, he lives in such and such parish. That means a county. So just a word for county, but it's a Roman Catholic word. And if you if you could get this book the Twisted Cross, you'll find all these different... Uh, Hitler brought this into his Nazism. He was a... Hitler was a believer in, in the occult, and so he brought this into the, into the Nazi part of things. This... this I wish I was a better artist, but I'm not. This is what the what this is. Hitler brought in into Nazism 
he brought in the this is called the Sinistro, S-I-N-I-S-T-R-O, Sinistro Gyrate. And this is called the Dextro Gyrate. It means it gyrates Dextro or to the right. The arms bend to the right. This is the sinistro. Sinis is the word left in the Latin, and it gyrates to the left. That's the natural way the sun goes from from east to west, and that was why that this was the natural way of things. When Hitler brought this in to Nazism, he turned it against society and had it gyrating to the right, completely against everything that was rational. So he brings this in. Now, what does that have to do with the Big Dipper? That has to do with Christmas, because when you look at the Big Dipper, you look at the Big Dipper, and what I'm going to do is just draw it from the standpoint what the Big Dipper is it's the what the swastika is is the Big Dipper in four phases they would check in the ancient world they'd check the Big Dipper every three months at midnight and here's what they had they had every three months at midnight and what it is they called it a good luck symbol because early America called it a good luck symbol. It was in America long before Hitler came along. It was what people used for good luck. I had a uh, picture of a postcard that the Doyle sent me from Wisconsin, and it had a big dipper on it. had a swastika on it. And it says, good luck in the new year. And their grandfather had sent this to their grandmother around 1908. It was a good luck symbol. It really wasn't something evil until Hitler got a hold of it. And you'll find it all over the ancient world. And what they wanted, this over here, this is where Christmas comes from. The Big Dipper and Christmas and the swastika are all a part of the same. Now, let me just give you this. The, what they were looking for, if this was summer, midsummer here, and then you had fall here, they were checking, they called the Big Dipper wheel of the year. That's where we get the wreath that you hang out at Christmas time. The wreath. And where they got this December the 25th, you're headed into fall and you're getting into the dead of winter. And they would check that. So this is fall here. This is winter here. Summer up here. And what they wanted to happen to this 
Big Dipper or to the swastika. Swastika comes from Sue and Vasti. The, the Suvastis were Tibetan Buddhist monks. Hitler sent Himmler. Himmler was his. Himmler was the head of his SS. He's the guy that orchestrated all the death of six million Jews. He's the guy that orchestrated it all. It was put into his hands and Hitler sent Himmler. He was a chicken farmer before he was employed by Hitler to be the head of his SS. He sent him to to Tibet. That's just right below China, kind of east, southeast of China. And he sent him to Tibet. He was looking for a superior race, an Aryan, A R Y A N, an Aryan race. That was a super race. And he thought they were all white, nomadic people from the north, the Swedes, the Norwegians, Denmark. Those were cold areas, and he said they were all blonde, blue-eyed, and they were superior people. Now, I don't know why he was looking for that, because he wasn't blonde and blue-eyed and tall and handsome. He was this little, short, squatty guy, and he was an ignoramus. He was intelligent, but he was crazy when it come to this. And so he was looking, he had heard that the Tibetan Buddhists had long arms, long legs, that they were tall. These nomadic people over there, they were a mixture of all kinds of races. He believed that they were the angels come down from heaven. He wasn't far removed from a lot of Baptist theologians in America. He believed they were the the angels that had come down and intermarried with women. That's what he believed. Most, a lot of the Baptist theologians believe that. That's not true. When the sons of God married the daughters of men, that was the descendants of Cain in the, in the fourth chapter of Genesis intermarrying with the daughters of men. That would be the sisters of the this would be the the daughters of men would be the descendants of Cain. They were the sisters of the sons of men marrying the sons of God. That's where all this mess comes from, sons of God. And I've had so many people write and say, well, the Bible says there were giants. That word giant is not the same word, Nephilim. Nephilim, I-Y-M, N-E-P-H-I, Nephil, I-Y-M. Anytime you see I-Y-M on the end of a Hebrew word, it is plural. Well, Nephilim, that's what you find in Genesis, the sixth chapter. The word Nephilim doesn't necessarily mean a tall man. It calls them giants. That was probably... <coughs> A an error of the translators. It was called giants. Nephilim means a bully or a tyrant. A bully or a tyrant. You can be five foot six.
six like Napoleon and be a bully or a tyrant. So when you marry truth, the sons of God, sons of God, to be a son of someone, you have to be doing the will of the Father. Sons of men was a term for Gentiles in the ancient world. It's a term for Gentiles. So this was truth, truth, intermarrying with a lie. And the Bible says at the end of time, end of time, end of time, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, Matthew 24, 24, they'll be eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. To give in marriage means to marry two different things that does not belong together. So this giving in marriage was truth marrying a lie. That's happening today. If this produced real tall men, that has a story behind it. That comes out of Legends of the Jews by a man named Ginsberg. That's a seven-volume set I've got in my library. And they said those giants were around 11,000 feet tall. Now, I don't know how in the world they're going to intermarry and cohabitate with women being 11,000 feet tall. It was so many L's, L's, in Ginsburg's Legends of the Jews. All of this is tied together because Hitler thought he was going to go over there to the Tibetan Buddhist monks and get these tall men that had intermarried, that had intermarried. The, the common thing is that sons of God, sons of God, they say these were angels falling down from heaven. How can fallen angels be the son of God when they don't do the will of God? Romans 8 and 14 says, those who do the will of the Father are sons of God. So, they say that was fallen angels. That was, hit, that was what Hitler was looking for when he brings this good luck symbol back over to Germany and people say he invented that. He didn't have anything to do with that. He just embraced all of this paganism. And the paganism is what Christmas is about. It's about this big dipper they wanted to get through the fall, they knew the winter was coming. It came every year. And what they were wanting to do was get back around to the spring. And all of these, you had one, you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight festivals. And I don't have time to go through all these festivals. You got eight festivals on this swastika or Big Dipper calendar. When they got down to Yule, this is Yule right here. Yule means wheel. And some say it means child. It has to do with the birthing of the child of the sun at that time of the year. Constantine brought this into the church and renamed that Saturnalia or the Feast of Saturn named it Christ Mass. 
He simply took the old feast of Saturn. I have got so much information on that, I can't even give it to all of you. What they were looking for, when when he named that December the 21st, this was the longest nights of the year, and he want, they wanted to get back around to the spring. So they, they had bale fires or bonfires. They were trying to light up the earth because the earth was getting cold and getting dark, and they had to get back to the spring. So this is what the Big Dipper was, and this was called the will of the year, and the ancient world said the queen of heaven queen of heaven had to be turning that wheel they thought the big dipper was moving and it's not the big dipper is seven stars out there in space they're not necessarily on a plane from where we we see them one may be a million light years away from this star over here but before we sit on the earth we see this big dipper they're not, doesn't mean those one, two, three, four, five, six, seven stars doesn't mean they're on the same plane in the sky. They're not. They're millions of light years from each other, but from where we are, they look like it's a Big Dipper. Well, this is what Hitler brought over there, and that was good luck because when it gets back to the spring the big dipper they check it at midnight in the spring and it's over here and that means crops are here crops are going to start blooming i've got a paper here i've got it off the internet and it gives you every one of these festivals that these are this is from a witch's viewpoint. When you ask a person if they're a witch, do they worship Satan? They say that they worship nature. All witches worship nature. The word witch, when the Bible says, Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live in Deuteronomy, the word witch is the word kosov. And kosov means to whisper or to speak mildly to people. That's what a witch is. I could discuss that for a long time. I'm not going to. This has got all of these festivals on it. It's got midwinter, Yule, Imbolg, the vernal equinox, Ostera, when you get up back over here. It has Beltane, Midsummer. These are all points on this big dipper and it has to do with getting this will of the year queen of heaven is the mary of roman catholicism and israel is condemned for worshiping the queen of heaven in jeremiah 44 and in jeremiah the seventh chapter look over at the 44th chapter of jeremiah i didn't mean to go here but i'll Go ahead and do this as long as I'm here. Look at the 44th chapter of Jeremiah. The reason God scattered Israel was because they were worshiping all these sun and tree gods. Do you know that Christmas, I don't know how to say this, 
Christmas and Easter Ishtar and all of these days that we call religious holidays, they all have to do with the sun and the tree festivals or all these festivals of the swastika or the Big Dipper. That's what they have to do with. It, it's nearly impossible to explain this to somebody in one lesson. It just doesn't work. Look over here. Is everybody familiar? I know you ex-Catholics are familiar, but is everybody else familiar with the Queen of Heaven is the Mary of Roman Catholicism? Aren't everybody familiar with that? Were you familiar with that? You wasn't? Well, you'll find this is a Roman Catholic book here inside Catholicism. And it's got a picture of Mary that they call the Queen of Heaven in here. If I, here it is. This is a Roman Catholic book. She says, Mary, Queen of Heaven. And there she is amidst the angels. And she's supposed to be being assumed into heaven because it was said that she didn't have any sin, that she was immaculately conceived. The immaculate conception is not about Jesus' conception. It's about Mary's conception, that she was born without sin. And that's not true. We know that. She said, my soul doth rejoice in God, my Savior. Jesus was her Savior too, even though she was bearing him. She said, I had to have a Savior. Well, the Mary of Catholicism, that's her. That's actually Venus or Aphrodite or the rest of those female deities of the ancient world. Malita which means mediatrix. A mediatrix is a female mediator. The Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. That's the only mediator. That is the one you go to. But that it, He is the go-between between us and God. He assuages the, the wrath of God. They say that Mary diverts the wrath of her son and that comes out of out of paganism. That's Hercules and Aphrodite and Venus and all of that in there. So this is very interesting to look at, and it'll tell you all about it. It even has what I brought out a while ago. The in the midst of the swastika, the fleur de lis it has fleur de lis. That is a type or a picture of. Mary. Now, this is what this is all about. It's about whether people like it or not, that's what it's about. It amazes me how people are willingly ignorant in America. Let me go over there to Jeremiah 44, and we'll look at this. We'll look at this Queen of Heaven. Jeremiah 44. Most people don't even know what this is. They don't even know what it means if they read it. If you're reading this and you don't have any idea what it means, what are you going to do with it? All right, Jeremiah 44. And the people are commenting back to Jeremiah about he's telling them to repent of their sin and give up their fire worship. And this is what they say to Jeremiah, verse 16. As for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord, 
we will not hearken unto you, Jeremiah. We're not going to do what you say. But we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth to burn incense to the queen of heaven. That's in a King James Bible. What would you think that meant if you ran across it and you didn't have somebody explaining it to you? And but they said the queen of heaven turned that will of the air in order to get the Big Dipper or the swastika back to the spring. That's where it comes from. And our God is the fertility God. He said, if you're obedient to me, I'll increase your storehouses. I'll increase your fields. I'll build up everything that you have. You'll be healthy and you'll go against your enemy one way and flee seven ways. But if you disobey me, I'll take all that away from you. And then it says, and to pour out drink offerings unto her, the queen of heaven. As we have done, we and our fathers and our kings and our princes in the cities of Judah, in the streets of Jerusalem, for then had we plenty of food, victuals, and were well and saw no evil. But since we left off to burn incense to the queen of heaven and to pour our drink offerings unto her, ye have wanted all things and have been consumed by the sword and by the famine since you went after the queen of heaven. The queen of heaven has to do with the fire worship. And when we burned incense to the queen of heaven and poured our drink offerings unto her, did we make her cakes to worship her? The word cakes is the word kavan. Kavan means sacrificial wafers. That is what they raise up into the sky, up into the air, and claim... What did I do with the book? I laid it down, I guess. And they claim to be raising it up, and it turns into the literal body of Christ. That's why Jesus confused everybody when he said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And then he says, my blood is meat, is my my body is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. The word indeed is the word alethes, A-L-E-T-H-E-S. It means of truth. When you eat and drink blood, let me show you something here. I just, I try to just verify everything I can. Here's an article out of, out of the Hastings Encyclopedia Religion. It's several pages. It goes through it thoroughly. Let me see how many pages it's got. It's got 146. goes from 136 to 146. Ten pages out of Hastings. Eating the God. They said they could call their gods down into their sacrifices in the ancient world. And if you ate the God, you ate his spirit. You ate his you ate of his power. You, this is why when you're talking about Borneo, South America, and they involve themselves in cannibalism, cannibalism comes from Kahan Baal because the priests of Baal 
ate human sacrifices from their altars, and the priests of Baal wore tall, white, pointed hats and white sheets. Why did they wear tall, white, pointed hats? Because that was the fish's mouth. When it was open, it was like so. That's what you see on the heads of the the top dignitaries in the Roman Catholic Church. The Pope and all of his cardinals wear this kind of a hat. It's the fish's mouth open. This is the fish's mouth closed. Then they wore white sheets and they worshipped a flaming cross on Lady Day in the ancient world. Whether people like it or not, the Klan comes out of that. If you're black in America and you celebrate Christmas, you're crazy. You don't have good sense. If you, after you hear this truth about it, quit. If you're white, you're crazy and you do it. Quit. But let me read a little bit about eating the God. You know what I want to do, and I just don't have time to do it. I want to sit up here and read to you all day long about all this information I've got. I'd like to read to you about all of those points on the swastika or the Big Dipper. But I don't have time to do all that. I would like to read all this eating the God. They ate their... On Borneo, which is an island in the South Pacific, they've got all kinds of of uh, cannibals there. They eat their enemies so they can gain their strength. They like to eat their heart. That's what the American Indian would do if you saw the movie, uh, Kevin Costner's movie. What was it? Dances with Wolves. Huh? Dances with Wolves. Yeah, Dances with Wolves. He was, they killed the buffalo. They go over there and pull the heart out and give it to him to eat. That way he would have the strength of the buffalo. If you live in Borneo or South America and you are in one of those tribes, you go out and kill your neighbor so you can eat his heart and have his strength in battle. That's why they do that. And it's part of cannibalism. Cannibal comes from Kahan which is the worst priest, Baal. And they shorten it to cannibal, or cannibal, which means a devourer of human flesh. And Israel was involved in that. Let me read this. Eating the God. The idea that the properties of an organism are acquired by eating its substance is widely spread among semi-civilized peoples. Its forms a prevalent explanation of ceremonial cannibalism, which is what the priest of Baal ate. And he goes on to say, and it's probably the chief among the reasons given for the correlated rite of theophagy. It comes from phago, which means food, and theos, it's God food, or eating your God. This rite is not frequent, though the history of religion and magic terms with examples which just fell short of the definition. Communion in the flesh and blood of a god is necessarily indirect. They talk about this communion, and that's what people pass around and call crackers and grape juice. They weren't eating crackers and grape juice. They were eating the last Passover, and I go through the spiritual Passover from time to time everybody's adopted eating 
crackers and grape juice, and the Catholics call it eating the God. Communion is in, in the flesh and blood of a God is necessarily indirect. The nearest approach to actual theophagy, which is eating the God, theos, phagos. There used to be a restaurant down here at Rivergate called phagos. It meant eating. P-H-A-G-O-S. Phagos and theos. Theophagy is eating the God. Theos is the word God. Theos phagos is theophagy. The sacrificial form of cannibalism obviously springs from the idea that a victim offered to a supernatural being participates in his sanctity and from the wish of the worshiper to transfer to himself something of benign virtue. Sacrificial cannibalism has been regular institution among the peoples of Central America. In parts of Peru, in Nigeria, and various tracts of equatorial Africa, in certain islands of Polynesia and Melanesia, the most remarkable development was in Mexico. At every sacrifice, the victim bore the name and filled the role of the god. The annual representative of Tezcalipoca after a year's industrious living, was sacrificed at the great festival. His heart was offered to the sun. His legs and arms were served up at the tables of the lords. The blessed food was chopped up small. They were talking about eating a body. At the feast of Zikpe, X-I-P-E, prisoners of war were eaten. They termed Tototecti. Totem is the word kinfolk among the American Indian. Totem, and that was the same thing as demons. Do y'all realize how, how complex this is? If I read to you all the time and did nothing but tell you the facts, your brain would fry. And that's why America doesn't like these complicated things. They don't like details. They were termed Totecti, dying in honor of Totec. A thigh was sent to the king's table. The dish was to called Totectalis. The giver of each feast did not eat of his own captive, but of those of others. And it goes on and on and on. Let me show you one other thing, where Israel was eating their own people. You say, I would never eat uh, human beings have you ever gone eight weeks without any food when they would when God would send the sword against Israel he said I'll send the sword the famine the pestilence and I'll send the beast when you go after other gods what would happen the sword would come they'd be in this town when Ben-Hadad would come from Syria up here and he would surround Jerusalem, for instance, and they would, and he had his soldiers all around. They wouldn't go and just conquer them. They would sit there and eat and have their daily activities as an army sitting in camps around the town until the people started starving six, 
seven weeks later. Their children were dying, and Israel began to eat their own children. Look over here in Lamentations. Lamentations comes after Jeremiah. Jeremiah wrote the Lamentations. Lamentations is one of the saddest books in the Bible. Why is that? Because this is about Jeremiah lamenting after Israel is carried away into Babylon after 500 years. 500 years. Uh, serving these sun gods and tree goddesses, which was Christ's mass. And look over here in Lamentations. It comes right after Jeremiah. I'm going to give you a couple of things out of Lamentations. Jeremiah is lamenting. That means to weep and to cry. He's lamenting over Israel being carried into captivity. Remember, Jeremiah stayed over here. He stayed over here in Israel with the poor while the rest of Israel was carried away into Babylon about 650 miles away into Babylon. So he is mourning over what they have done. And he says here in, in chapter 4 of Lamentations, chapter 4, he's talking about Israel being slain and carried away. Verse 9, they that be slain with the sword are better than they that be slain with hunger. It's better off to have somebody run a sword through you and kill you than to die of hunger because he's going to tell you what happened with them when they were dying of hunger. For these pine away stricken for want of fruits of the field, the hands of the pitiful women have sodden their own children. The word sodden is the word bashal. B-A-S-H-A-L. Remember, Jeremiah is the last is the last prophet to prophesy before Israel is carried away in 586. He was there in Jerusalem when they're being carried away. When Nebuchadnezzar sends his commander commanding general in and says carry them all away and be careful with this Jeremiah he tried to warn him give him what he wants and the hands of the pitiful women have sodden their own children they were their meat in the destruction of the daughter of my people they ate their own babies I had a woman come up to me one time and said I never heard of that before well, they did. They ate their children. You say, I would never do that. Well, the Donner Party that headed west in the 1800s, they were going out, they were Mormons going out to Utah, and they got caught in a blizzard, and they figured, well, we better eat one another in order for certain ones to survive. The same thing happened to that soccer team that crashed in the Andes Mountain in South America and they made a movie about it alive I read the book alive before the movie came out and these guys were were a soccer team in the Andes and they crashed in the mountains and they were so hungry 
they said well, the only thing we can do since all the bodies are frozen it won't be so bad we just strip off strips off of them and we'll eat our own fellow soccer players and that's what they did you say I wouldn't do that you don't know what you'll do when God makes you that hungry you don't know what you'd do the Lord hath accomplished his fury upon Israel you know what I believe God's got a fury he's going to accomplish on America he hath poured out his fierce anger and hath kindled a fire in Zion and hath devoured the foundations thereof Zion was a term for the mountain where where Israel where Jerusalem sat let me give you a couple of more of these look over here in Ezekiel the 16th chapter it'll be to the right in your book Ezekiel 16th chapter Ezekiel 16th chapter I'm just telling you what Israel did because of the wickedness of their hearts and they went after this thing called the Christ mass let me ask you this is America eating and devouring their children yeah they're devouring them with drugs and devouring them with booze and devouring them with not caring about God because of the hypocrisy of their parents. They can see that and it's devouring their children. Look here in Ezekiel 16. I'm going to just give you a couple of these. Ezekiel 16 verse 20. Moreover, thou hast taken thy sons and thy daughters, whom thou hast borne unto me, and thou hast, sacri thou hast sacrificed unto them to be devoured. Is this of thy whoredoms a small matter? Is that a small thing that they're passing their children through the fire and eating them? That thou hast slain my children and delivered them to cause them to pass through the fire for them. Look over here. Let me give you a couple more of these. Look at Deuteronomy 28, verse 57. This is where God is warning them. When you go into the land, this is what you're going to end up doing if you go after these other gods. Deuteronomy 28. This is one of my favorite chapters, but I never get down to the end of the chapter. 28, verse... Look here in... Verse 52. Speaking of the Lord, when you don't go after God, He shall besiege thee in thy gates. A siege was where an enemy army would surround them, and they would be surrounded... The gates were cut off from any food. He'll besiege thee in thy gates until thy high and fenced walls come down, wherein thou trustest throughout all thy land, and he shall besiege thee in all thy gates throughout all thy land, which the Lord thy God has given you. And thou shalt eat the fruit of thine own body. You're going to eat your children the flesh of thy sons and thy daughters, which the Lord thy God hath given thee in the siege and in the straightness wherewith thine enemies shall distress thee. 
You say, that doesn't sound like what you're saying. It was their way of putting it. You're going to eat your children. And let's read on down here. So that the man that is tender among you and very delicate, his eyes shall be evil toward his brother and toward the wife of his bosom and toward the remnant of his children which he shall leave, so that he will not give any of them of the flesh of the children whom he shall eat. I'm going to eat my own family. Boy, that sounds gruesome, doesn't it? It's the truth. Israel was eating their families when the siege was upon them and they were cut off from their enemies all because of this thing called Christmas. And Christmas is devouring our children in America because he hath nothing left in him of the siege. The siege was where an army would surround them and they couldn't get supplies in. And in the straightness wherewith thine enemies shall distress thee in all thy gates, the tender and delicate woman among you, which would not adventure to set the sole of her foot upon the ground of the delicateness and the tenderness, her eye shall be evil toward her husband of her bosom, and toward her son and toward her daughter, and toward her young one that cometh out from between her feet the one that she's born and toward her children and she shall bear for she shall eat them did you know that was in the Bible for want of all things secretly in this siege where the armies have surrounded them and straightness wherewith thine enemy shall distress thee in thy gates if thou wilt not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book that thou mayest fear this glorious and fearful name the Lord thy God the Lord will make thy places wonderful and the plagues of thy seed even great plagues and of long continuing and sore sickness and long continuous, this is going to go on for a long time, he says. i got a couple of more of these I'd like for you to look here in Ezekiel 20. Go back to Ezekiel 20. Do you know this is all through the Old Testament? They were eating their families. They're eating their children because... God says, you do this, I'm going to send the sword against you, surround you, cut you off from any food supplies, and you're going to be dying. We read that part out of 6th chapter of 2nd Kings last week. Well, they ate one woman's baby, and they went to the king and said, said we ate her baby yesterday, and she won't give us her baby to eat. Look here in Ezekiel 20. I hope this will make you sick. I hope it will make you realize something. This is what they got for going after other gods called Christ's Mass. The Mass is eating human flesh. Let me remind you. Ezekiel 20. Verse 26. Twenty twenty six. 
God polluted them in their own gifts and that they caused to pass through the fire all the, that openeth the womb. They took their firstborns. The one that opened the womb was the firstborn. Passed them through the fire, killed them, and began to eat them. That I might make them desolate to the end that they may know that I am the Lord. You see, I've had people say, that makes me sick. Well, that's your problem. Look here in Lamentations. Back to Lamentations 2. Go back to Lamentations, the second chapter. I hope this is very sobering. If it's not, there's something wrong with you. Lamentations, the second chapter. Second chapter. Let's read here in verse 20. Verse 20. Behold, O Lord, and consider whom thou hast done this. When you read through Lamentations, it'll tell you how God cut Israel down to the ground. They've been carried away captive. Picture this. Jeremiah stayed with the poor over there in, Bible, in Israel. The temple has been cut down to the ground. The city has been plowed up and sowed with salt so nothing will grow there. And they got little tents and little makeshift uh, huts they're living in. The rest of Israel have been carried away over here to Babylon. And they just don't know what they're going to do. Shall women eat their fruit and children of a span long? The word span is the word tipuk, T-I-P-P-U-C-H. It means nursing. The women in Israel, as their children die of, of starvation, they're going to eat their nursing babies that came out from between their legs, the Bible says. You see, yeah. How can this be? Let me tell you. God says, if you have no pity for me, I'll have none for you. I delivered you out of Egypt. I gave you all this land. And then you tell me, you say some sun god or some tree goddess gave you these things, your corn and your wheat and your oil, when it was me? And the prophet shall be slain in the sanctuary of the Lord. The young and the old lie on the ground in the streets. God killed everybody. Killed the babies. And virgins and my young men are fallen by the sword. I brought in Nebuchadnezzar and had him kill everybody. Except the poor. Left them alone. And thou hast slain them in the day of thine anger. Thou, thou hast killed and not pitied anybody. God says, you had no pity for me. I'll have none for you. Thou hast called as in a solemn day my terrors round about, so that in the day of the Lord's anger none escaped nor remained. Those that I have swaddled and brought up 
hath mine enemy consumed. Go over to the 13th chapter of Hosea. When the Assyrians came in, here's what God did. You don't want a bloodthirsty God, then you don't want to rebel against him. Hosea. Hosea is the first of the minor prophets as soon as you leave. Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum. Go to Hosea, the 13th chapter. This is talking about when the Assyrian soldiers come in. When the Assyrian soldiers come in, here's what they do. They come in slaughtering and butchering. Verse 15. Though he be fruitful among his brethren, an east wind shall come. God calls Nebuchadnezzar an east wind. He's coming from the east. You'll see many times, this is Iraq running southeast through Iraq is the Euphrates River. About a hundred miles above the Persian Gulf is Babylon on the Euphrates River. Nebuchadnezzar is going to come up here north. He can't come through the Arabian Desert. His men would die. So he comes north. You'll find time and again that destruction came from the north. But here it says it was an east wind. That's what God... I have. I went through the Bible, went through my concordance, got every time that God compares these evil nations with winds, a hundred times or more. And he said, I'm going to call it an east wind. He says the same thing over there in Daniel, in, uh, in uh, Isaiah 46 and 10. I'm gonna, there's going to be a... A bird from the east. He calls it a bird. And he's going to come up here north of Israel and come down and carry carry this. Hosea is talking about northern Israel being carried away by the Assyrians. The Assyrians are the, some of the most barbaric people. They were Caucasians. They lived between the the Caucasus Mountains is here between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea. You can see it on this map here. See that row of mountains? That's the Caucasus Mountains. The mountains of the Caucasians, this was Assyria up here. They were considered the most barbaric people that had ever lived, along with their predecessors, the Scythians. They invented and created all of this American Indian torture. It was the conquistadors that took that to San Salvador with Columbus, and they brought it to America, to American shores, and they started using it on the American Indians. They adapted themselves. Scalping came from the Syrians. Tying a man down on a desert, stretching his arms out, putting a wet piece of rawhide over his throat, stretching it real tight so that when it dries, he strangles very slowly. 
it was the Syrians that came up with burying a man up to his neck in the sand, pouring honey over his head, and then turning fires loose on him. That was a bunch of Assyrians. And when you read this here with me, you cannot doubt how they were. Though he be fruitful among his brethren, an east wind shall come, the wind of the Lord. God's calling Nebuchadnezzar and causing the Assyrians. The, the Assyrians, Nebuchadnezzar was Babylon. The Assyrians were people like uh, Tiglath-Pileser. What a name, Tiglath-Pileser. Don't name me kid that. They'll have a hard time in school shall come from the wilderness and his spring shall become dry and his fountain shall be dried up he shall spoil the treasure of all the pleasant vessels in Israel spoil means to carry away captive Samaria shall become desolate Samaria is northern Israel this is talking about the Assyrian invasion Samaria shall become desolate for she hath rebelled against her God Here's what you get. They shall fall by the sword. Their infants shall be dashed in pieces. And their women with child shall be ripped open. They'll pull the babies out and dash their brains out. And God said, you had no pity for me. I'll have none for you. Do you think America's in for something like this? I believe we're just staring at some of the worst things that evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. Now, I've got so many more things on this. I don't know if I've got anything I need to read right now. Look over here. Did I read 2031 of Ezekiel? Go back to Ezekiel. 2031 for when you offer your gifts that means you come to offer your gifts towards God when you make your sons to pass through the fire you pollute yourselves with all your idols Baal, Grove, Shemash, Molech tree gods even unto this day, and shall I be inquired by you? Don't you ask me why? You know why. O house of Israel, as I live, saith the Lord God, I will not answer your questions. Don't you ask me anything. I have told you for 500 years. Have you ever told your kid, don't ask me again? That's what God is saying to Israel. Don't you even ask me. Boy, we are just, we have corrupted ourselves, haven't we? I've got a paper here with a whole bunch of this in it about Israel eating their children. Look at 2337, Ezekiel. Ezekiel is over in Babylon. He was carried away in the captivity. 23, 27. Ezekiel 23, 37, excuse me. 23, 
37. Before I read 37, let's read verse 24. Or let's read 23. The Babylonians and all the Chaldeans, Pekod and Shoah and Koah, and all the Assyrians with them, all of them desirable young men, captains and rulers, great lords and renowned, and all of them riding upon horses are coming to get you, Israel. And they shall come against thee with chariots. You know, that's what all the prophets are saying. Remember in Ezekiel, in Isaiah, the 28th chapter, he's, they're going to come with whirlwinds, and the Bible calls these chariots whirlwinds. The chariots, wagons, and wheels with an assembly of people, they're going to come upon you, Israel. This is what God did for their son in tree worship, which was Christ's mass. Which shall set against thee buckler and shield and helmet round about. That's everything that they were arrayed in. Their, their bucklers were the shields that they, they were the metal plated shields on their breast. And I will set judgment before them and they shall judge thee according to their judgments. And I will set my jealousy against you, Israel, for what you've done. And they shall deal furiously with thee. They'll cut you to the ground, killing your babies, killing you. And they shall take away thy nose and thine ears, and thy remnant shall fall by the sword. And they shall take thy sons and your daughters, and thy residue shall be devoured by the fire. And they shall strip thee out of thy clothes and take thee away take away thy fair jewels they would strip people down naked to make them march 600 miles to Babylon they're walking naked saying oh God where are you thus will I make thy lewdness to cease from thee and thy whoredom talking about going after these other gods brought from the land of Egypt so that thou shalt lift up thine eyes unto them nor remember Egypt any more. Verse 29, they shall deal with thee hatefully these armies that come in to slaughter you. Why? Because they went after Christmas under another name in the ancient world. So God takes the land from them. Verse 30, I will do these things unto thee because thou hast gone a-whoring after the heathen. You've gone after their gods. And because thou hast polluted with their idols. Verse 31, thou hast, thou hast walked in the way of thy sister, talking about northern Israel, Therefore will I give her cup unto thine hand. To drink of a cup meant to undergo a death. Northerners will drink the cup, and that's your time. It's, it's sad what happened to Israel. Thus saith the Lord God, thou shalt drink of thy sister's cup deep and large, and thou shalt be laughed to scorn and had in derision. 
People are going to laugh at you, Israel, because of what I have done to you. It containeth much. Thou shalt be filled with drunkenness and sorrow and with a cup of astonishment and desolation with a cup of thy sister, northern Israel. Ezekiel's preaching to southern Judah. This is this is this very sobering. You realize what you can read when you read the prophets? They'll say, God's coming down on you, Israel. Thou shalt even drink and suck it out. Thou shalt break the sherds thereof and pluck off thine own breast. For I have spoken it, saith the Lord God. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, because thou hast forgotten me. You think America's forgotten God? Because thou hast forgotten me and cast me behind thine back. Therefore bear thou also thy lewdness and the whoredoms. The Lord said moreover unto me, Son of man, wilt thou judge Aholah? That's another name for Samaria. Aholah. And Aholibah, a name for Judah. Yea, declare unto them their abominations. They have committed adultery, not physical adultery, adultery with other gods. And blood is in their hands. And with their idols have they committed adultery. It was with their idols. God calls going after another god. You say, I don't do that. You don't. Is your car your God? Is your house your God? Is your clothes your God? Are your looks your God? Is your glibness your God? Is your talent your God? And causes their sons whom they bear to me and pass for them through the fire to eat them. Devour means to eat. They were eating their children. And you say, Jim, I don't like that. Well, that's too bad. That's what God does. Let me see if I got any more here. In 2 Kings 21, it's talking about Manasseh, one of the most evil kings that ever lived in Israel. Go over to 2 Kings. Sometimes I just want to go into the Old Testament and read it to you and comment to, on it so you can see what it's about. You know, you can read Once you learn what Israel is doing, what northern Israel did, what southern Israel, Judah did, and you read these prophets, you're going, wow, God, are you going to do all that to them? Absolutely. Look in Second Kings. In Second Kings, the son of Hezekiah is king. And he is an evil king. In fact, he is the most evil king. How he can be the son of Hezekiah and be an evil king? Because Hezekiah was one of the most righteous kings. Now, Manasseh is a common name in Israel. Don't confuse him with the firstborn of Joseph. 
This is Manasseh, the son of, of Hezekiah. And God says, when you live like this and you go after these gods, I'll have no pity on you or your family. Now look here in 2 Kings. Sometimes I don't know what to do. Just read and comment. I read these prophets. I think I need to tell everybody about all of them. But it, it, there's only an hour and a half up here that I don't have time to. Sometimes at home I'll be reading. I'm thinking, boy, I need to read all this to the people. But there's no time. I would just like to read and comment. I know sometimes you don't know what's going on, but I know what's going on with most of these guys. Look here in Second Kings 20, 21 actually. Manasseh. Manasseh is the son of Hezekiah. Hezekiah is one of the most righteous kings that ever lived. His son Manasseh, how he could not follow his father's ways, I don't know. Other than perhaps the first verse will tell us how. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign. He was only 12. Just a kid. How's he going to know what to tell people? Read the rest of it and it'll tell you about it. And reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Hephzibah. He was a child king and Hepzibah, when he was young, was telling him what to do. So it all depends on what she believed. This is after Hezekiah's dead. So he gets his instructions from Hepzibah, his mother. I don't know if she was a pagan. If she was, Hezekiah didn't have any business marrying a pagan. But watch what he does. He did that which is evil in the sight of the Lord after the abominations of the heathen, the Perizzites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Canaanites, all of the ites, he was following after all of them, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. For he built up again the high places. The high places were the hills outside of a city where they kept their tree goddesses. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Ephesians, the sixth chapter. That's where they keep all their groves, their Asherah, which Hezekiah, his father, had destroyed. What's he thinking of? And he reared up altars for Baal and made a grove an Asherah as did Ahab king of Israel and worshipped all the hosts of heaven Venus and Jupiter and the list goes on and on I, when I first read about this guy I thought Lord kill this guy and send him to hell well you go to Second Chronicles 33 and 30 
he's carried away in the captivity and he converts in Babylon. This will show you just how wicked a believer can be. Watch the rest of this. And he built altars unto the house of the Lord, of which the Lord said in Jerusalem, Will I put my name? And he built altars for the hosts of heaven. You can't name all the hosts of heaven, all the gods of the heavens. Name all of the Greek gods and all of the, all the Roman gods and you'll have it. There were thousands of them. He built altars for the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he made his son pass through the fire. He's observed times. This is supposed to, this is a, this is the king of Judah. He's in the lineage of Judah. And used enchantments and dealt with familiar spirits. Remember, ob is the word. Familiar spirit means bottle. And these guys that mastered ventriloquism would be pretending to speak to people's ancestors in this goat's skin, in his stomach, that dry the goat's skin out, plug in one of it, and leave the other end open to carry their juices in. And the ventriloquist would pretend to be talking to ancestors and say, cross my palm with money. And the Bible says, if you did that, you died. And wizards, and he brought much wickedness in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. And he set a graven image of the grove that he had made in the house of God. This man was wicked to the core. Shows you just how bad you can be as a believer. Of which the Lord said to David and to Solomon in his house, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I chosen out of the tribes of Israel, will I put my name forever. And you're corrupting everything about it, Manasseh. Neither will I make the feet of Israel move any more out of the land which I gave their fathers only if they will observe to do according to all that I have commanded them. And according to all the law that my servant Moses commanded them, but they hearken not, and Manasseh seduce all of Israel. And I read this first read. I thought, Lord, it would be too good for him to you to send him to hell. But God had mercy on him to do more evil than did the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the children of Israel. He did more evil than all of them put together. And the Lord spake by his servants the prophets, saying, Because Manasseh, king of Judah, hath done these abominations, and hath done wickedly above all that the Amorites did, which were before him, and hath made Judah also to sin with his idols. Therefore, here's what I'm going to do, God says. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such evil upon Jerusalem and Judah, that whosoever heareth it, both his ears shall tingle. And I will stretch over Jerusalem the line of Samaria. 
I'm going to measure out to Jerusalem what I measured out to Samaria when I called all of those Assyrian generals to slaughter Samaria. I'm going to bring Nebuchadnezzar in. He's going to slaughter Jerusalem. I won't put up with this. What do you think these prophets are talking about in the Old Testament? They're talking about Christmas under another name. I will stretch over Jerusalem, the line of Samaria, and the plummet of the house of Ahab. I have measured out to Ahab. And I will wipe Jerusalem as a man wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. This was the final straw with God. God says, once Manasseh did this, that's it. Your time is over. And he promises because of Manasseh to remove him. Then his son Ammon comes along and he's not much better. And he doesn't do right. And then Josiah. The only other king besides Hezekiah and David who are righteous in the eyes of the Lord. Hezekiah was more righteous in faith, the Bible says. And Josiah was more righteous in trusting God and obedience to his laws. And you get to Josiah in that 22nd chapter. The Bible says that Josiah was only eight years old. Josiah was only eight when he begins to reign. He's got a mother advising him wrong also. A queen mother. Just like Abzibah. And Josiah grows up being a heathen. Being a bad king. And they're repairing the house of the Lord. Why are they repairing it? Because when Ammon was alive and Messiah is alive, they're not doing anything to the house of God. It's deteriorating. If you don't repair your house that you live in, it will deteriorate. And for several generations, the temple of God has been deteriorating. And they're over there in this 22nd chapter. The high priest in Israel at this time is a man named Hilkiah. He is a descendant of the high priest Aaron. And he's over there in the temple. And he runs across the book of the law. It has become obsolete in Israel because these kings don't want anything to do with it. And he says, and a scribe named Shaphan. Shaphan takes the book of the law Hilkiah says, you take this book of the law. Hilkiah tells Shaphan, you take this book of the law to the king, Josiah. Josiah begins to read the book and he begins to weep. He said, have we done this to God? He said, there's going to be a revival in the land. He sends the message throughout the land. We're going to kill all the priests of Baal. We're going to burn the chariots, the golden chariots that have been presented to Israel that are pagan. We're going to burn them. We're going to stamp it all to powder and throw it in the river. Josiah had the greatest revival that was ever in Israel. 
And you can read about him here in the 23rd chapter down here in verse 25. Verse 25. 23, 25. And like unto Josiah was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his might, according to the law of Moses. Neither after him rose there any like Josiah. Good name to name your son, Josiah. But read the next verse. Notwithstanding, however, the Lord turned not from the fierceness of his great wrath, wherewith his anger was kindled against Judah because of all the provocations of Manasseh, his grandfather. He said, I will not turn away because of that. Israel is going to go into captivity. Southern Judah, that provoked God withal. And the Lord said, I will remove Jeru Judah also out of my sight, as I have removed Israel, northern Israel, in 722, and will cast off this city, Jerusalem, which I have chosen, and the house of which I said, my name shall be there. God just got tired of Israel not worshiping him in truth. That's what Christmas is about. It's the fire and tree worship of the ancient world. I've got so many things to say on this. I got you. I didn't. I went someplace I didn't even mean to go. I I I was going to go back to. I was going to go back to. Athaliah. And Jehu. The people that brought this this fire and tree worship into Israel, I said it on my title last week. Jezebel, Jezebel is the most wicked thing to ever come into Israel. She is the most wicked person in the Bible because her father was Ethbaal. He was the prince of Tyre, right above Israel. It's what we call Lebanon, or Tyre, and Sidon. When Ahab married, Ahab had a palace up here in Jezreel. He had a palace there. Southern Israel had the land of Benjamin in it, and the land of Benjamin was Jerusalem. So he could not come down here and possess anything in Jerusalem. So he had a, he set up his own in northern Israel. He set up a palace in Jezreel. Jezreel is on the border of Lebanon or what we call what they call Tyre and Sidon and the head of that system, the fire worship there was that Baal, and they worshiped Baal and the grove. Baal was nothing less than Hercules, Ardonis, and because you had the, because you had the, 
the sun god because you had the sun waning down to December the 21st they set the birthday of these male sun gods on the 25th of December and that was their birthday and they said the sun was being born again and again and again and again every year it had to be reincarnated reincarnated as the sun begins to wax greater and light begins to overtake the world again it gets darker and darker till you get to the winter solstice then when you get down here to the spring equinox then the sun begins to prevail or light begins to prevail and I've got so much information on that I can't read it all to you I just don't have time. We can sit around and talk about it. So we're talking about everything that is evil had to do with Jezebel bringing this into Israel. How much time do I have, Mike? I'm going to come back next week, back up to where I was going today. I just, for some reason, I got off the track, got you into cannibalism. I hope that's very sobering. It is to me. I believe America's eating their own children, destroying them with their desire for things and stuff and position. What I've got to do, I've got to come back. I've already, there's some major characters in this fire and tree worship. Number one is Jezebel. Number two would be her husband Ahab. He just turned away from God. And in 1 Kings, the 16th chapter, we find Ahab marrying Jezebel. And Jezebel wasn't evil. It, sh it shows there in 2 Kings how she painted her face. She wasn't evil because she painted her face and put on makeup. People try to say that. That's not why she's evil. She's evil because she brought Baal and the grove into Israel. And that was the system. When the Bible says Babylon was the mother of all harlots, all idolatry comes out of Babylon. So this idol worship that Israel was in comes out of Babylon. It was their imagination. But all the world... All of the world was worshiping some form of this. Over here in, over here in Italy and Rome, they were worshiping Hercules and Venus. Over here in Greece, they were worshiping Aphrodite. They were worshiping over here in what we call Turkey or Asia Minor on the western end of that. They were worshiping Ceres and Sybil. They were worshiping all of these people. All of these gods. When you worship these gods, God says, and Israel is the only nation in the Mediterranean area that has the truth of God. And they turned away from him. He said in Deuteronomy, the seventh chapter, I didn't choose you because you were the largest or the most people. You were the smallest. They were the few. Few will find the narrow way. And what I've got to do, I've got to go back to Ahab. We saw the death of, of Ahab. We've got to kill Ahab's sons. 
And this will all start. Ahab dies in that 22nd chapter of 1 Kings. When he goes into battle against Ben-Hadad at the behest of... He goes in with Jehoshaphat because of evil association. This gets into southern Judah. So Ahab dies in that 22nd chapter of 1 Kings. We've got to get to how this fire and tree worship entered into southern Judah. Ahab has a son. You can see it on this chart here. Ahab's got... He's got a son named Jehoram, a son named Ahaziah, and he gets Jehoshaphat, who's a good man, to run around with him. So Jehoshaphat names one of his sons Jehoram and his grandson Ahaziah. Well, Ahab has a daughter. I call her the daughter from hell, just about as wicked as her mother Jezebel. Her name is Athaliah. Now, Athaliah and Jezebel have to die. And that commission is given by God to a king called Jehu. Jehu's job is to kill Jezebel, and he will. It's a very interesting death, too. And Athaliah has to die, and she will. She wants to steal. How this entered southern Judah, how it came down into southern Judah, Athaliah, who is the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel, she runs across Jehoram at some party one night. She thinks he's good-looking, and she marries Jehoram, moves her system, her mother's gods, into southern Judah, and southern Judah becomes polluted. So God commissions Jehu, Jehu to kill all the descendants of Ahab of northern Israel, all of the sons. He had 70 sons. And, she com and God says, I want you to kill all the sons of Ahab, and Jehu sends out the word. I want the heads of all the sons of Ahab. Cut their heads off, bring it in a basket to me. Whew. These guys didn't fool around, they did he? And Jehu was a man of God doing all of this. So we gotta get we gotta get Ahab's seed royal descendants dead. That's going to be Jehu's job. And then you've got to get Athaliah dead. And you've got to get Jezebel dead. That's what we're going to cover next week. And that will all start in 2 Kings. The ninth chapter. Forward. For about three chapters. When we will get these. We're going to get Jezebel dead. Jehu's going to kill her. We're going to get all of the sons of, of Ahab die. God says, I don't want any of their seed left 
to inherit the throne. I don't want them mounting an army. Anytime some great general was left alive, they were really good at putting an army together. And they could put an army together and attack. God says, when all of Ahab's sons are dead, and Jehu will do that, then there will be nobody left of Jehu of Ahab that can attack Israel and claim the throne and I want all of I want Athaliah dead she marries down here into southern Judah marries Jehoram when he dies when Ahaziah dies and Jehoshaphat's been dead for quite a while she says I want this kingdom for myself she wants to be the king of Israel and she takes over and she gets all she went out to kill all the seed royal of her husband Jehoram and Jehoshaphat. Seed royal means anyone who can inherit the throne. I want them all dead, she says. And thinks she thinks she got them all. She got them all but one. And it's necessary that one is left alive because the scepter will not depart from Judah. Out of Judah, the firstborn of Jacob, will come the king. And she thinks she's going to inherit it. And Joash is left. And we're going to get to Joash and show you how he was, he was preserved by the high priest in the temple of God. How could he be preserved in the temple of God? Wouldn't... Uh, Athaliah be looking for him there? No, no. She's not going to go nowhere near the temple. She's got her mother's gods. So that's a good safe place for him to stay. And the high priest takes him over there. And when, when he's old enough, the high priest brings him out and says, God save King Joash! The first thing Athaliah says, this woman... That went out to kill all of the seed royal. First thing she says is treason. What a what an imbecile. <laughs> and we're gonna get to that next week. I'm out of time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Let it register in the hearts of the believers just how serious you are about worship and giving up this fire worship, which is nothing but self. Cause us to realize who you are. Fight our battles. Open up opportunities for this ministry. God will keep telling the truth to everybody we can. We'll give you praise for all things. Lead us to your elect family. In Christ's name, amen. amen. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for being here and being interested. Thank God for that. Yeah, I know it. Would you make me?
It is 9.30. Uh -huh. They said it's 9.30, uh, five days a week, 9.30. Nine it's not, it's, uh, on a Saturday mornings you were right, but the, the thing with the radio? It's no, it's, no, it's 6.30. We, we look, it, it's, Dave said nine, it, I, I checked into it, and it's also on the, the internet site, uh, Steve just looked it up on his phone, but uh, Dave tell you, it's not, Dave right now, Dave, you need to check with him, because I, he told me 6.30 in the morning, for the special price that he gave me.